Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Good morning. Welcome to Cypress Church. I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. Isn't our worship team wonderful? Yeah. You, you can clap. You can clap. They work hard every single week. Uh, to prepare music that we can all connect with. And it's so exciting to be here. Uh, my name is Victor, for all who don't know, who you might not know. Uh, I'm the worship pastor here. And it's a privilege and an honor to be here. But staff, I'm at question of why you let me speak, because now I'm really in control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Today is going to be a really good day. Um, the reason why is we're going to be exploring what it means to worship God uh, as a discipline. And it's an honor to, and, and I'm privileged to be able to open up the series. Um, it's kind of interesting because this is something, a spiritual discipline that we get to practice every single week. We come here and we, as a congregation, as a group of people made up of different backgrounds and different cultures, we come together and we worship Jesus and we worship God. And so as I was kind of reflecting on what does it mean to practice this spiritual discipline, uh, my mind kept going to this one question. And that question was, it's, it's easy to celebrate and worship God when things are going really great in our lives, Right? Maybe you got a promotion or a job or a new car. It's really easy to praise God, right? But I think the question that came up to me and in my mind was, well, what about during the hard times and the difficult times? How do we worship God in that sense? Um, and it's difficult because, you know, it's really easy to go to God and say, thank you for, thank you for the good stuff. But it's really hard to say, thank you for the hard stuff, right? So um, this morning, we're going to be exploring those things. It's going to be a different experience. It's not going to be your typical sermon. Um, we're going to be going through these movements where we engage with the passage, engage with whatever this feeling is, and we're going to apply it immediately. Um, my natural movement to go to someone to research, someone to follow an example in Scripture was this guy named David. Do you guys know who David is? He's King David, the man after God's own heart. Not only was he a wonderful king, and yes, he made mistakes, but he was a wonderful worship leader. And so he wrote many songs. And the song that we're going to explore this morning is in the book of Psalms, and that is Psalm 57. We are going to actually participate alongside David. Imagine what it's like to be in his shoes or actually his sandals. <laughs> but we're going to participate alongside him. You got that joke, right? It was really corny, but it was good. Um, we're going to participate alongside David. And I want us to be able to explore what he was feeling at the time because worship is not just head knowledge. It's also heart knowledge, right? And so we want to be able to explore that also. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for you are good, and we have a great opportunity to be here this morning to sit under your word, not my words. And so, God, speak through me. Uh, may this connect with every, every single one of us, uh, that we can explore what it looks like to connect with you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. So before we start in your worship folder, you should have received a black and white sheet of paper and a skewer. We are going to be using... 
these skewers to make kebabs later. And so hold on to this. I'm just kidding. We're not making kebabs, although that would be wonderful. And my stomach is grumbling, so I'm hungry now. It's almost 12. But um, I think uh, we're going to be using this as part of our participatory experience. So if you would like to, if you're a note taker, um, I'm going to be asking you questions. During that time, use the white sheet, the white portion, to answer those questions with a pen. Um, if you don't have those, our us- wonderful ushers are coming around, and if you're missing a Bible and you don't want, raise your hand, and we'll be able to provide those things for you. Um, so yeah, ushers, wonderful ushers, thank you. This morning we will be engaging in the Psalms, like I said, Psalm 57. So write that down. I might forget to say it. Psalm 57. Psalm 57. The book of Psalms is interesting because it's actually a collection of song and songs and poems. There are many authors and it's one of the largest books in the Bible. The Psalms were composed over a period of about a thousand years. And these psalms have so many emotions and stories attached to them. So that's why I felt like this would be a great place for us to explore worship. And what does it mean to respond to God? Our psalm this morning um, is settled and nestled into 1 Samuel 22. And that is with the story of King David. So before we go to that, I want to give you some context. God had promised David great things. He wasn't king yet. He had uh, David anointed as the future king. So he was the next in line in succession. And everything seemed to be unfolding according to plan. David had brought, uh, was, had defeated Goliath. You, You know that story where the slaying and threw the stone, defeated the Philistine warrior Goliath. He was brought into King Saul's service and he was just a shepherd boy. He forged a friendship with his, uh, the king's son, Jonathan, and that was his, like his best friend, his buddy that he hung out with all the time. And Saul even gave David a high rank in the army, um, so he was honored. We are told that David was, uh, that the Lord was with everything that David did, and that David had even married the king's daughter, the princess, Michal. Everything was falling into place for him to become the next king of Israel. But then suddenly everything ground to a halt. Everything stopped. His feet was wiped out from under him. Saul grew jealous of David's successes and determined to kill him. And David found himself running for his life, fearing because the king was sending his soldiers to try to kill David. He had to sneak food. He had to hide in places and even act like a madman because he was trying to seek asylum in another country, a neighboring country. But the king wouldn't let him. And so that moves us into this story uh, in 1 Samuel 22 when David found himself hiding in a cave. And as you can see in this slide, this next slide, that's the cave that David hid in. And if you see, it's not what you would imagine as a cave. This cave is actually just a hole in the ground. And so uh, here we land on this passage. This is a song that David wrote. We do not know if he, was, if he wrote it in the, the hole, in the cave, or after the cave. But we, what we do know is that this song it helps us reveal what, was, what is on David's heart and helps guide us as we explore what it looks like to worship God in all things. So this morning, in order for us to better connect with David, we're going to do a couple of we're going to use a couple of tools. The first is empathy. And for those who don't know what empathy is, it's sharing someone else's feelings or experiences by imagining what it would be like in that person's shoes, in that person's situation. So if you close your eyes for a minute, take that in. 
What is David feeling in this moment? If you were in that situation, you were on the rise, you had tons of successes. What do you feel like is going on? And then all of a sudden, everything is wiped out from under you. If you want to, if you're feeling those things, if you can imagine those things, you can write that down. Right? What's some of the experiences that he might be feeling? Another tool that we're going to use is perhaps recall a time in your life when things were going really well for you in the past, and suddenly you got cut. Maybe you were working hard to get a promotion. And that promotion didn't happen because someone else got it. And you were, you were on the rise. You were, you were going to get it. But some, it was given to someone else. Maybe you were an up-and-coming athlete. And you were first string or made varsity. And all of a sudden you received a hard injury that ended your career or put you on the sidelines. What kind of feelings might come up for you? If you have some words, you can put, write that down. Some of us might not even have to remember those experiences because we are actually feeling and experiencing it right now in our lives. And what I, I know it's very hard and I know it's very uncomfortable, but what I want you guys to do if you're in that moment is to connect with it this morning as we experience what David experienced. To better help us with this experience, I, I want us to meet David where he is at in the cave. So we're going to do a little lighting change. Hold on to these feelings. If you need to close your eyes as we read, feel free. Listen as I read Psalm 57, 1 through 3. And it says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge to the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Let's stop here. What do you think David is feeling in this moment? What do you think David is experiencing as he writes this? If you have an idea, maybe write that down. For me, as I was studying this passage, as I was trying to connect with David in his moment, I wrote down fear. I wrote down anxiety, hopelessness. He might have been alone, afraid, on edge, because Saul's soldiers were out to get him. And I'm clued into this because I see in the first line that he's desperate. He says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. That repetition, merciful twice, shows emphasis. He's not in a good place. Emotionally, mentally, and physically, he is saying, I need a break from this storm. It's overbearing. It's too much for me to handle. And I can't take it. I need a break. We can further clue into David's anguish as he writes in verse 2, I cry out to God most high. When someone cries, it's an outburst, right? It's an outburst of emotion. It's not something that happens normally. It's a large release of energy. This isn't a grit your teeth and get through it situation that he's experiencing right now. People are out to get him. And when I say get him, not capture him, but to kill him. Do you sense his complaint? Do you see that? 
as he writes it, his expression of grief, his dissatisfaction and unhappiness in that cave. But notice again that this isn't the only thing he writes, right? In verse 1, it says, For in you my soul takes refuge. The end of it, In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. To the God who fulfills his purpose for me. Right? In verse 2. He recognizes that God is the one that protects in that moment of his despair. That God is the one that's sheltering him. It's not the cake that's sheltering him. It's God. That God is in control. Right? Verse 2. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send, so it shows that God is doing something. One might think that David might be vacillating between the two or moving in between, a little bipolar maybe. (laughs) But I believe that poetically the reason that David chose to blend it all together, mix it all, is because he's still feeling despair and he's looking for comfort and security, for refuge, for protection. So we then arrive at this term, sila, right at the end of that. There's no clear definition that commentators can agree on, but some say that this is a musical direction to praise God, to, to, to uplift a musical note, maybe a solo, right? Others say that it means to pause and to reflect. So we're going to do both this morning. Let's follow David's instruction. Let's take a moment and reflect on our own individual processes. I have a couple questions for us on the screen. And think about it. What has been your first step in a situation like this? What are some of the things that you might have sheltered under? Have you grasped for? For those who are living in this kind of storm right now, what are the current things you're using as umbrellas and refuge to seek shelter under? So as this song is being sung, we're going to sing a song. If you want to reflect, maybe you can write things down. Or if you need to just think and sit and close your eyes and just reflect on those experiences, I invite you to do that. You can sit, you can stand, but be free. This is a safe space. This is an open space for you to explore what that looks like. So let's sing and reflect. In my wandering, oh God. 
of storms, we can feel helpless in our situation, paralyzed, not knowing what the next move will be. Some of us just stay in the rain, right, in the storm, and just let the torrent wash over us. Some of us might seek refuge, but ignore the fact that there's a storm going on. The term we use today is called coping. Some of us escape into fantasy into books, into video games, into TV. Others might seek shelter under the storm through relationships to distract them, to substance abuse, perhaps. We all do this in some sort of way or form. So as you were reflecting, what is that first step in that situation? I think David reveals a truth in all of this. And that's, this is the truth. What would it look like for us to seek refuge under God? And this can be as heady as it needs to be or as practical as it needs to be. What would it look like to go to God in our despair? And everyone has their own methods and ways, and I can't answer that question for you. Um, But for me, when I'm down or in despair Something for me, when I look to refuge in God, it might be listening to a song that encourages me, that talks about God or in, in my situation. Other times I lean on my wife and who speaks truth about God into me or my friends. Or maybe I just read scripture and am encouraged in that way. But what does it look like for you to seek refuge under God? What does it look like for me to lean in? Let's read on. It says, God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. So what do we see from this section in Psalm 57? For me, as I was reading, I sensed David's fear, his anxiety, 
his feeling of being alone. Do you guys see that? My soul is in the midst of lions. He's surrounded. Lions aren't just nice little kittens that purr when you pet them and you can feed them catnip and they'll go a little crazy. (laughs) No. These are real animals that will kill you. And so David in that moment is expressing his fear of danger. His, his, the fact that he's in a dangerous situation, that people are trying to kill him. Not only that, we see that he includes tongues in there, right? And so that is signifying that people are slandering his name. So it's not just he's fearing for his life, but they're also putting his name down. They're laying traps for him, and it's so overwhelming. Did you guys see that in verse 6? My soul was bowed down. That's signifying that he's so overwhelmed. You've probably heard this before, this reference to all this weight on your shoulders. To the point where people who are super stressed out, a lot of times they're like, you can see them hunch over because they're, they're physically so weighed down. And I think that's what David is trying to say here. But we also see something start shifting in David's language, right? Before he was grasping on for, ref, for, for something to grasp onto, and in that case was God. But we also see something different. He says that God will send out his steadfast love. Be exalted, O God, be lifted up, right? They have dug a pit and have fallen in. So there seems to be some hope that he's continually drawing on. And from this, I think the truth that we can hold, that, we, that David is showing us, is that he is being honest with God. Leaning in means being honest with God. Did you know that over one-third of the Psalms are lament, meaning it's expressing sadness or sorrow? That means that all these different authors in the Bible expressed honestly what they were feeling, not only the good times, but also the bad times, the difficult times, the hard times. David didn't hide his feelings in a situation with God. He didn't dismiss them. He actually recognized it and stated it. He was super, super honest. God, I'm alone here in this cave, hiding because the king, the CEO, wants to kill me. There are people out there trying to kill me, and I'm a fugitive. What is going on? I thought I was following you. I thought I was obeying you. I know you have plans for me. I know you're stronger than. I know you're faithful, but what is going on? You see, David leaned into God in that moment and was very brutally honest with him. So what does leaning in and what does being honest with God do for us? And um, what, what does that all mean? And what's the purpose of it all? I think the first kind of sub point that what, what it means to be honest with God, the first one is that it helps God be with us in the cave. In reality, God is with us all the time. So that's the truth. That's what he said in scripture, that God is everywhere. But being honest with God helps us recognize that God is with us, right? Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get lost in the storm. And it helps us to, it helps us, and it reminds us to include God in all our moments and all our days. The second thing is that being honest with God helps us be honest with ourselves. It helps us be aware of our own situations. 
It can put words to something that is swirling around in our heads and we can't get it out. It brings clarity. Sometimes things can be truly terrible. But other times we can make issues out of something small. So it helps bring us to reality. It helps us take an inventory of what's going on in our heart. At the end of this section is another sila. And we've reflected and we've sung before. We've written down what do you think David was feeling. Maybe some of the things that we're feeling. But this time in this sila, I want us to be honest with God and ourselves. Maybe things in life aren't going as you thought they were going to go. Maybe you had a grand plan. And all of it is falling apart. Maybe you're trying your hardest to obey God in your moment right now. But every step you take, you stumble. If you're feeling alone and helpless in your cave right now, I want you to, in this moment, be courageous. To be honest with God. And I want you to stand up. If you're feeling hardship right now, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling alone in your situation, I want you to stand and be brave. Stand with me. And what we're going to do as a church right now for those who are standing, is we're going to pray for each other. We're going to surround them. Because in 1 Samuel 22, two, it says, when his brothers and all of his fathers, that's David's family, heard it, they went down, heard that he was hiding in a cave, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And so... What we want to do, what brings us together is that we're family under Christ. It is the blood that binds us together. And in scripture and the Bible, it talks about how when we decide to make, when we decide to follow Jesus, it makes us sons and daughters of God, the Lord. And so that binds us together. We're family. That's why we always talk about meeting our family or shaking the hands of your brothers and sisters. So if you're hurting right now, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. We're going to, we're going to, can we make the lights a little bit brighter? Yeah. Raise your hand. Everyone take inventory of who's hurting right now. Look around. And if you're hurting, just stay in your seat. And what I want all of us to do, let's stand up. Those who aren't raising their hand, let's stand up. Let's surround our brothers and sisters who are in the cave right now. Let's enter into the cave with them. Elders, pastors, uh, prayer team leaders, let's, let's gather around those who are not, who may be not as many people. Let's make sure that every single member of our family is taken care of. And what I want us to do is, um, you may not know them, you may know them, but maybe a couple of you guys, just take a moment and pray out loud for them, encourage them, love them, hug them. Let's make sure everyone's surrounded. And for those who, who, who don't feel comfortable in doing that, and that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that, just pray for our church. You know, we have a lot of things that happen at this church, a lot of hurts that people experience. Let's just take this moment and pray for God to be a part of that, for us to seek refuge.
close this section out in prayer for us. God, we praise you for, we know now through the example of David that you're in the cave with us, that we can be honest with you. Not, no, not only that, in this story, there's more than just God, even though that is enough. There's also people, family. And so, God, we want to thank you for that, and we want to pray for those individuals who are in the cave, um, that, God, you, they would seek refuge under you, that you would be their wings that cover them, that umbrella in the torrent and the storm. And that they would be honest with you so that they can take inventory for themselves and that they can connect with you better and find comfort knowing that you're with them in the cave. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. You guys can go back to your seats. Thank you for practicing this moment with me. I know it's very difficult and sometimes it's uncomfortable. Um, but I think there's moments like this that that bind us together, that makes us a family and a community that actually cares for one another beyond just saying we're praying for you. It takes action and courage to walk over to that person say, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to be in with you in the cave, even though it's uncomfortable for me. And I want to be with you as you mourn and as you grieve and as you cry out to God yourself. You see, we may come from different cultures different backgrounds, different skin color, different upbringings. But we are sons and daughters of Jesus. And that's the one thing that binds us together. Um, The psalm doesn't end there, though. We're not done yet. It makes a dramatic shift. And so let's go there. Verse 7 of Psalm 57. It says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Do you guys see the pivot that David took? Do you guys see the shift that he's taking in this moment? Mike, look at verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Steadfast in this case doesn't mean hesed or the steadfast love that's in verse 10, but it means that his heart is steady and well-prepared. He's preparing his heart. David is going to actively choose to make melody and to sing. Do you guys see something familiar with verse 7? The structure looks like verse 1, right? If you look in in your Bible, it looks like verse 1, right? It says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful And then now it says, my heart is steadfast. My heart is, oh God, my heart is steadfast. That is an active shift. That is a purposeful shift to hope in something. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory, meaning awake my God-given capacity to praise God. And since David was a musician, he's going to definitely play his lyre and harp. Do you guys feel that build, that crescendo as he adds in the music to his his plea? Do you guys see that? And then that drop happens 
like in a song where it's just praising God in that moment. He says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be honored, be exalted, be lifted high, O God. Do you guys feel that? What is the truth to draw from all of this, this crescendo, this peak, this apex moment? As I was reflecting and thinking, I think that it means that we need to lean into God because he is blank. And I left that blank purposely. For me, as I was reflecting, I, I thought of the word bigger. Bigger came into my mind. And for you, it might be in your situation, in your moment, as you connected with David, it might be different for you. But for me, I thought of the attribute of God in his character. Do you see that language? Over the earth, in the heavens, among the peoples, faithfulness in the clouds. David is recognizing that he's going to choose to find refuge in God, to praise God, to pivot, to, to make a choice. Because God is bigger than the cave he is in. He is stronger than the enemies he is facing. More powerful than the storm that he's observing and finding and is seeing. Right? The in the clouds, further, bigger than, than wherever we could go and imagine. He recognizes those things and it sets his heart. You see, it's, it's a choice to recognize God in all things, in the storm, in good times and in bad. It's a choice that we recognize. It might be hard to acknowledge, it might be easy to acknowledge God when things are bright and merry, but in our trials and storms, it's hard to see God and his goodness. I love songs that really speak of God's character, like the song we've been singing, um, The Great I Am, right? It just speaks of how good and how powerful God is. Because it doesn't matter what I'm feeling in that moment. I can at minimum respond to God by praising him for who he is and what he has done. I may not be able to respond and praise God for my situation or my moment because, yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, like David. But at least I can praise God for Jesus and who he is. This helps set my focus. This helps me see more clearly in the storm. And for anyone in the storm right now, this gives hope, something to cling onto, a beacon of light in a dark place. This gives us direction, steps to follow through. So we're going to now apply the skewer, the kebab, or whatever you want to call it, and use this. Um, so take your sheet of paper that you've been taking notes on or reflecting on and turn it, flip it to the dark side. Whoa. That was a Star Wars reference for those who didn't know. Um. And what I want you to do is, if you're an illustrator, if you're like, you like to draw, use, use and etch out some stuff. If you are not a good drawer and you feel self-conscious, what I would encourage you is to take the word that came to mind when I talked about um, what it means to pivot and what's to set. And use that word, and you can just trace that in there and etch. As you guys do that, I'm going to tell my story of how, where I struggled with God. Um, so I'm going to sit down and tell that. Before I was at this church, um, I was a worship pastor in the South Bay. Um, and it was my first assignment, my first big boy pastor job out of seminary. 
um, when I had interviewed, I, uh, I had seen some red flags, things that people warned me about, um, but I kind of ignored it because I thought I could work through it, work through those issues. Um, so I accepted the position and started working there. And over a period of time, those red flags grew into an issue that I kind of ethically and morally could not connect with. Um, I could not ignore it, and even on a spiritual piece, too. I did my due diligence, and I brought it up to the leadership. I brought it before them. I talked to them about it, and I even talked to the person about it. And they unfortunately didn't do anything about it. Um, It was at that point that I actually kind of struggled with it, and what what should I do? Should I ignore it? Should I I fight through it? Um, But I felt like in that moment that I was going to resign, and so I did. And I did it with the intention of teaching them and showing them that I was not resigning because I didn't love them. I wasn't resigning because I had found a better place or a better job, that it was a stepping stone. But no, I was resigning because of this specific issue. And I thought I was righteous. <laughs> um, so I didn't look for other jobs. I didn't apply until I was finished. And so after that, I started that job search, and I foolishly thought that because of these things, I could easily get another role at the church, right? God's going to take care of me, and, you know, he's going to provide me that one interview that blows every the water, blows everything out of the water immediately, like the week after. Um, so I started applying, and I heard nothing. <laughs> Not a word. No responses. Churches I would apply to weren't getting back to me. Um, I couldn't even get an initial interview with most of them. Couldn't even get my foot in the door. And even when they would reject me or say, oh, we're not, you're not the candidate that we're looking for, I would, I would ask for feedback and say, what, what is it that we didn't connect over? Or what is it didn't feel? Because I thought, it would, I thought we would connect. I thought it was a good relationship. And they wouldn't even tell me. So I started to doubt. And I started to panic. Week, uh, days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months. And doubt entered my mind. I even started questioning my own character. What, what am I missing that the other candidates have? And I tried to control my situation. I started networking like crazy. I went to churches to try to like network and connect with the pastors there. And I remember that um, when I first started the job search, I was like, only full-time positions. And as days and weeks came by, then it went to only three-quarter times positions that I'll apply to. And I'm willing to take half-time pay. I'm willing to take a quarter time. I'll work another job. And then it moved into, well, I, I guess I could do a paid internship. I know, and maybe I need more experience. And then desperation grew, and I said, I'll take an unpaid internship and work at a coffee shop. <laughs> and that didn't even work. I got rejected from an unpaid internship. And I had a master's degree. I was like, what, what is going on? I even considered going back to school to get a to, to, I don't know, get a THM or something, or finish my MDiv. Master's of Divinity, sorry. I'm talking to somebody to speak. Um, but as you can see, I was very desperate. That's the point of that. And my battle for control and strength was waning. I remember sitting in my cave, which is my car, usually. My cave, defeated, rock bottom, no hope. Screaming in my car. So if you see me in the parking lot screaming, that's probably because I'm in my cave. Crying out to God, what is going on? Why is this happening? I thought I did the right thing. I thought I was righteous. I thought I was following in obedience with God. 
So there's multiple days of this, multiple days of crying my eyes out, frustrated, shouting at the top of my lungs like David did, crying out to God. And at some point in the middle of this, in my pain, in my prayers, in me being honest with God, my, my prayers went to, well, what is, what is your will? Because we know that God has a plan for us. This is something that we learn. Um, and it's said in the Bible, what is your will? What? And my prayers went to, God, what is your will? Reveal your will to me. I, I just want to follow at this point. I just wanted to follow. And my prayers and my, my cries went from complaint, frustration, and anger to complaint, frustration, and anger but in obedience, in being honest with God, in saying, I don't know what's going on, but God, you said you have a plan, so go ahead and do it. Come on, I'm waiting. And my mind went to God and his character, and my heart, had, my heart started to shift. And at some point, I gave up. I literally remember saying this in the car. God, I give up. I've tried everything. I've done everything under the sun to try to get a position. But nothing is happening. All the doors are closing. So God, I give up. You're going to do what you're going to do. And I'm just going to have to figure it out. I'm going to just have to follow you. I'm just going to have to obey. Because I can't handle this anymore. You're going to do it. You see, it wasn't a profound theology. A complicated theology. Like substitutionary atonement or anything like that. It was a simple one. That God is in control and that we need to trust him. He brought me to California for a reason. He brought me to that position, that church for a reason. And he's going to take me to the next position. So for me, what I wrote down in my cool thing is trust. Because that was the word I clung on to when I wanted to hold on to Jesus. I said, God, I'm going to trust. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust you. You see, when we put words and include God in our storm, it reveals more of the light. The darkness is still there, but it helps us center into the light. Does that make sense? It reveals God in the midst of that storm, and it gives us hope. And we all need hope, right? When things are tough, that's what helps us get going. That's what helps us endure. And for us, we know that hope is not only that we can trust in God's character, but because he gave us Jesus, we can hope in that, in the midst of the storm. So, in conclusion, I, wanna, I want to throw out some cautions and clarifications. I think this practice that David shows us through his process doesn't fix our situations, right? Just like this illustration. There's still tons of black around. There's still a storm. It doesn't even, but it doesn't minimize that. It doesn't help us forget. It doesn't... It might not even help us escape our situations. David wasn't in the cave for a day and then he was like, voila, I'm ready to go. Everything's fixed. He was in the cave for a while. And even after he went out of the cave, the Bible tells us in that story that David still considered, continued to pursue him and still tried to kill him multiple times. In that same way, our storms take time. And we want to give room for that. We want to give more patience for that. And it can be long periods of time. But I think David shows us in the song that we can lean into God during that time because, one, he is bigger than. Two, we can be honest with him. 
And three, we can put our trust in God. So how do we lean into a worship and celebrate? Seek refuge in God, not in other things. Don't cope with things of this earth. Cope with the things that are above. Hold on to that. Be honest with God and yourself. Because God is bigger than the cave that we're in. God is bigger. He's bigger than the enemies that we face. And he's bigger than the storm that we might be in. Don't find happiness, which is determined by our outside circumstances. Instead, find the joy, the joy that comes seeing and knowing God and Christ, the one who saved us. Let's pray. God, we want to lift these burdens that we experienced this morning up to you, putting our hope in you, knowing that you are the one that we can seek refuge in, you're the one that we can seek, um, find hope and trust in because you have shown yourself faithful not only through scripture but in our lives, through Jesus. And so, God, we want to put our trust in you. We want to put everything before you, knowing that you are big enough to hold it all and take care of it all. You have a plan for us. You're mightier than. So as we move, as we go out, God, can we, um, may, may we use this example of David as a way to practice worship every single day, our response to you. Not just through singing, not just through um, praying with you, but to be honest with you and to show these hard sides of us that, and the hard problems that we have. So we thank you because you are bigger than, and we can hope in that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen.